0: Father I thank you for your presence in this place Father I thank you that More than anything in this world We place a high value on you You are bigger than reality itself You are better than life itself More than just church and More than just life outside of church Father, we place a high value on you, on your presence and on your word, God, without which nothing is possible. Father, you make all things possible because of your love for us. And today, God, I ask for a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of revelation, a spirit of understanding and a spirit of counsel. And a spirit of conviction to rest on each and every person. That as we receive your word today God. We would know that we are receiving good seed. And we are good ground. Father we are not a 30% ground. We are not a 60% ground. We are a 100 ground. We are ready to, to burst forth the harvest. Out of our lives God. And we say yes to the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. And if you have brought your Bibles, I would love for you to open your Bible to Psalm 17. Psalm 17. And we'll read from verse 1 to 9. Psalm 17 1 to 9. <clears throat> Are you there? If you're there, say yes. I'll just wait a second more. <laughs> Awesome. Are you there? Yes. Hear a just cause, O oh God. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on things that are upright. You have tested my heart. You have visited me in the night. You have tried me and I found nothing. I have purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. Oh, you who save those who trust in you. From those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppress me. From my deadly enemies who surround me. Let's stop there. David in this, is probably writing this psalm when he was in his younger days. When he was being chased by Saul and his armies. We need to take into context that David right now in the psalm is pleading his case before God. He's asking God to give me an audition. Not a singing audition. Give me your time. So that I can plead my case before you. David received, we know that I've I've preached this so many times. David received a word that he was going to be king over Israel. And the king who he was going to replace. The king whom he loves. The king whom he serves. The king whom he fought Goliath for. is the one who's really after his life. And he's come before God now for running for days. He's come into a place where he has to hide in a cave probably, where there's no friends around, there's no mighty men around. And David seems like he has lost all hope. And now he's the only person he knows that can really save his life is God. He's in a place where nothing seems to be working. But God, you gave me a prophetic word. You gave me, you told me I was going to be a boss. You told me I was going to have my own company. You told me that I will never live in lack. You told me this, you told me that. But from that place of you told me till it becomes, David seems to be losing hope. And some of us may be in this place today and I really feel like God this is a prophetic message for your life. Some of us may be in this place where God has given us prophetic words and between the prophetic word between the promise and the promised land there seems to be a, a zone. Last week we called it the tension zone. But this week it's something different. It feels like I have no hope. God has given me promises, but nothing seems to be working out according to the promises. Just think about David. The guy was doing everything right. He was living actually in the fulfillment of that promise. He was in the king's palace. He was playing the instrument for Saul. He was casting out demons that were coming out to attack Saul by playing music. He had the king's daughter. He had the king's son as his best friend. I mean, he had wasta all around. I mean, the dude was connected, but none of his connections seemed to be working. And sometimes we, if I feel like we identify with with David because it feels like, man, I have all the connections in the world. I have everything, everything that I'm doing is right, but somehow I'm in this place where it's not working out something's not working out what am i doing is it my fault is it my wife's fault is it the dog's fault who's is it the church's fault that i'm going to i have to look for another church if things don't work out in my life i mean that's the most ridiculous statement that i've ever heard things are not working in my life i have to look for another church no 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 apply the word from the church first things will work out in your life don't run looking for another church And sometimes I feel like we're, we're in, this, in this valley, you know. We're in this valley where nothing seems to be working. And in verse 3, he says something really beautiful. He says, he says, God, you have tested my heart. You visited me at night. You have tried me and have found nothing. I mean, how many of us can really stand before God today, right now, in this moment, and say you have tested me you have tried me you visited me in the night you surprised me and you found nothing in the sense that he's saying my heart is so clean before you my heart is in such a position of righteousness or right standing with you that even in my sleep when you come and visit me and test me that all you ever get from me is pure pure words Pure words. I mean, how many of us would say that that when God tests me, that when I'm in the midst of a trial, that what comes out of my mouth is good things? You're getting quiet today, huh? I can safely say by your response that almost none of us can actually say that when God tests me, when I'm in the midst of, of testing, that good things come out of my mouth, Jesus says that whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth, and in the midst and he and sometimes we we need to look at testing the perspective that we need to have of a, of testing is that God is trying to reveal to us what really is in our in our hearts, what really is in our hearts, what is in your heart? The message version says it really, really well, you know he says verse 3 in the message version it says go ahead examine me from the inside out surprise me in the middle of the night you'll find I'm just what I say I am my words don't run loose man you know in the early days of our marriage um, I have a gift to sleep I'm just saying I can lay hands on people and they'll they have, they receive the gift to sleep no, seriously, it, I have a gift. Uh, within one minute, I can go from being awake to being in deep sleep. And in the early days of, my, of our marriage, Kelsey would, um, um, would be awake, uh, and she'd be sitting next to me and, uh, in bed, and, and just when I'm about to fall asleep, or actually, I've gone into sleep just before I reach deep sleep, she wake me up and she's like, "How's your day?" <laughs> i'll be like oh babe can we like talk about it tomorrow or couldn't you have asked me when we were having dinner or you know when we were sitting down having dessert or driving on the way back i'll tell you everything i don't mind but she figured out this interrogation technique that made me feel so safe enough to to just say whatever was on my heart you know Wives, I'm giving you hints now, okay? I'm giving you t- tips of how you can, you can really get the truth out. And it was in, the, in these moments that, that, that I felt like, you know, I was so calm, I was so collected, you know, I was just, I felt like there was nothing that was threatening me in this moment. So I would just tell her everything in that moment. It would be just like, yeah, 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 you know, this person did that and I did this and I did that and I did this. this. And then she'd let me go on and on and on. And the next day in the morning, I'd, and I'd fall asleep and next day in the morning she'd be like, um, you remember what you told me last night? I'd be like, <laughs> what, did I, what did I say? And she said, no, no, you said this to someone and that is not Christ the reason why I brought it up is because God does exactly the same thing he comes at moments when you are not ready he comes it wouldn't be a test if you knew it was a test which means you would actually you know the exams that we go through school and college and stuff they're not tests they don't test you you go prepared for them it's called a performance so they grade you in school based on your performance not not testing you as in they need parents need to test children about their studies when they're watching TV (laughs) or when they're on their phone the iPad and all that kind of watching YouTube and watching you know all the cartoons and all that kind of test them there see what comes out of their mouth because what comes out of their mouth really is in their heart so here we see that David is saying God you can come to me at any time even when I'm not ready Test me and see what is in my heart because what is in my heart, my words don't just run loose. I mean everything that I say. But David right now, he's in this moment where, it's a moment where he's losing hope in what God said, not what he said. David in this moment is standing before God and he said, test my heart, God. See if there's any wicked way in me because what you'll find in my heart is righteousness. How many of us can stand before God in this room today and say, God, look into my heart. Test me and see you will find your righteousness in me. Because in order for you to be vindicated, God has to pass judgment. In order for you to win your case, if you go to God and say, God, look, see what my enemies are doing against me. See what the banks are saying. See what my boss is saying. In order for you to win the case that God has to pass judgment in your favor, the only way that he'll pass judgment in your favor is if he finds righteousness. If he finds right standing with God, if he does not find a flaw in you, if he does not find the world in you, he will pass judgment in your favor. See, but the good thing is this is Old Testament. The good thing is that the Bible says that the day you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have now become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I was hoping that you would be happy about that because... Because now you don't need to run to your pastor to ask for vindication. You don't need to run to your neighbor to ask for vindication. You can go to God and say, God, no matter what I've done in the past, I am right standing with you. Because I'm right standing with you. God, now pass judgment. Oh, come on. Come on now. Listen, you want God to pass judgment in your favor, you have to understand righteousness. A lot of times people say well God doesn't judge yeah he judged Jesus on the cross so that now every person who is not in Jesus who is not in Christ they can now face the judgment the people who are doing wrong to you they will face the judgment see but judgment is not a bad thing I don't know why I've gone down this road judgment is not a bad thing it's actually a very good thing yeah judgment is actually a very good thing when we say god you are a god who judges righteously it's not a bad thing the reason why we think it's a bad thing is because we still think we're sinners oh come on now i'm not a sinner man sinner man i'm right standing with god oh come on i no no do you understand that you are righteous yes You are righteous. There's no sin in you. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you completely of all unrighteousness. You stand before God in his presence absolutely 100% at peace with God. If you're at peace with God, why would he judge against you? Oh, come on. Some of us might be in a season where you know we're ready to give up on those promises that God gave us. Some of us are, are ready to to give up on the on the prophetic words that have not come to pass. Some of us have, have received, whether, whether you've received a prophetic word from a man, a woman, a child, a donkey, a billboard, YouTube, wherever God spoke, whatever the medium is that God used to speak, he spoke the word to you. And some of us are in a situation where we, we've said, oh, you know, it's come from a donkey. That means God not spoke to me. Oh, it's come from a oh, billboard. I saw a billboard and God did not say. It. No, no, no. At that moment, you knew God is talking to you. And so people now are looking at the circumstance around you. You're looking at the situation. My business is failing. My my marriage is failing. My church is failing. My walk with God is failing. You're looking at all these circumstances. And you're losing hope in the word that God has given you. The promise that God has given you. And in between promise and the promised land is the valley of hope. And so today the title of my sermon is don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. So I would love for you to go to the, the fir, to First Kings chapter nineteen. Wow. Today it's just like it's like I'm opening the Bible and it reaches the right place. Wow. First Kings nineteen. The context of this of this passage. Is Elijah is having the most the highest moment of his career as a prophet okay he's having the most highest moment it's like he's gone from he's gone from from you need to understand look at me for a few minutes I'm just going to give you the context and then we'll read he he, this man stopped rain but Elijah was a man who demonstrated the power of God like nobody else. He said, he told King Ahab, I'm going to stop the rain and the rain stopped. He comes on Mount Carmel and they're all having this show. And now he says, I'm going to call on fire. And he calls down fire. Yeah. on fire. He pours water on the sacrifice. And now he calls on fire, which is why we were singing, fill me up God till I overflow. And then we're saying, call down fire, fire. Why? Because it's biblical that we do stuff like that. And so he calls on fire, and now this f- fire burns up the altar. It burns up the sacrifice and the altar, and it licks up the water that is remaining around it. I mean, phenomenal stuff. And then he says to King Ahab, Go home. Rain's coming. And then he prays and it starts raining. And then the Bible says that the hand of the Lord comes upon Elijah and he runs faster than the chariot of King Ahab and reaches the city before the King Ahab reaches the city. I mean, I'm talking about supernatural stuff. This is, he's now at the peak of his career. It's like I stand in this room and I say, let it rain in this room and it starts raining and you're like, oh, wow. You don't understand what I mean? What is your opinion of a person who does stuff like that? This guy is powerful, man. If he speaks something, it happens. Do you understand? That's a prophet. A prophet is someone who doesn't just use his words very lightly and walks around. A prophet has the words of God in his mouth and he speaks the oracles of God. And as he speaks it, it happens. Do you understand? And so now we're going to read from verse 1. This is Ahab now has come home from this whole fiasco where Elijah has killed 800 prophets of of Jezebel. Okay? And Ahab told Jezebel, verse 1, all that Elijah had done. Also how he executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods, small g, do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when, it, when Elijah saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said it is enough now Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Verse 5, Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food 40 days 40 nights as far as Horeb the mountain of God and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place and behold the word of the Lord came to him and said what are you doing here Elijah so he said I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. Torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek me to take my life. From having, from having one of the most greatest moments of his life, the greatest moments of his career, Elijah is facing the worst day of his life. It's not, you're not weakest when you're going through the valley. You're weakest in your victory. Because the tendency for us human beings is when we have a victory is to go on a holiday. The time when we get a bonus, we try to see how we can spend it. It's your weakest moment. Your weakest moment is not mid month. Your weakest moment is when salary day comes. Now I'm, uh, now, uh, yeah, now, nah, you're getting it. Huh? Because the, one day before salary comes, you're already making plans as to how to spend it. It's a weakness, it's not a strength. And Elijah right now, he's sitting in the city and the woman, Jezebel, queen, she sends word to him that she's going to do exactly what he did to her prophets. And I want to share three things to you today from Elijah's life that would help us when we lose hope. Alright, three things. The first thing, Is that Elijah saw what she was saying the first word is that Elijah saw what she was saying let me let me let me read verse 2 again then Jezebel sent a messenger which means a messenger is a person with a message who speaks the message to you to Elijah saying so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them By tomorrow at about this time. Verse 3. And when he saw that. The problem with Elijah was in his victory, in his most victorious moment, he saw what Jezebel said. He saw what she said. How many times you've gone to a doctor and you've received a report and you saw the effects of the report on your body, that's why you believed the report? Oh, come on. See, the, the issue, the concern that I have with Christians is that you'd rather see the report of what the enemy says and its effects on your life rather than the report of the Lord and its effects on your life. See, because when you hear the word, you're listening to a message right now and it's just words that are coming and John is just talking. But if you see it, it changes how, you, how it impacts you. If you see yourself in the word, then the word begins to reveal to you how it will impact you. But you've got to see the word. It's not just hearing the word that matters, it's seeing the word that matters. She, you need to understand that Elijah's coming off the greatest moment of his life where he took a sword and killed 800 people. It was pretty graphic. And she says, what you did, I'm going to do to you. And now he's thinking, he's seeing her do exactly that to him. Oh, come on, man. See, the, the reason why people lose hope in, in the Lord, they lose hope for their life, is because they see the effect of what the enemy says happening over their life. When, when the economy says, oh no, 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 there's no money in the economy, jobs are going, you actually see yourself losing your job. That's why you lose your job. Oh, come on. The reason why you, you see it is because you've experienced this, you've heard people, you've seen your friends lose their job and now you're standing here now and the word of the enemy has come to you and because it's come to you, it puts fear in your heart because you've listened to it. The minute you see the words of the enemy impacting your life, fear will get into you and when fear gets into you, now fear will begin to dictate how you live your life. You would go from hospital to hospital, you go from job to job, you go from church to church because you are so fearful of what is going to happen in your life. You go to work desperate to keep your job and you'll do anything your boss says. If he says, work, if your job says, work from nine to six, the boss says, you have to work till eight, otherwise, you're going to lose your job. You actually work till nine, maybe even ten, because you want to keep your job. It's because fear has gotten into your heart when you see what the enemy says you see what the economy says you see what the doctor's report says even before you start feeling it oh come on even before you start experiencing money dwindling in your bank account even before that if you allow god's word to be the standard of your life That even though you have a doctor's report, even though you have a judge's report, you go to God and you say, God, what do you have to say? Oh, I think you already know this stuff, right? That's why you're not, not even, it's not even having an impact on you right now. Listen, wake up. This stuff is real. What I'm talking about is real. We have Christians without hope. It's because the enemy, you're a Christian, you're the righteousness of God. I'm telling you, you're the righteousness of God in Christ, and you're looking at me like, hmm, it has no impact on you. Do you even know what righteousness is? Do you know what it means to be right standing with God? That nothing, God will not allow anything to be. To touch my life because I'm right standing. Even if it is, does, God will fight my battle for me. Do you even know what that means? Yeah, 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 yeah. And listen, church will be should be different. We have to place a value on God's word. Such a high value that, that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what the doctor says about my body, even before I start feeling it, the doctor gives me a report. I go to God and say, God, what is your report? Your report says that by the stripes of Jesus, 2,000 years ago, every sickness was taken on your back. I choose to believe that report. But the minute you start seeing what the enemy says, what the enemy says will start happening to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? A lot of Christians today are plagued by fear. It's because they are seeing things that God is not showing them. You're seeing. Oh no, no, no. I can't spend money over there. Why? Because then I won't have any money here. What's going to happen after I retire? I need to save money for my retirement it's like last week like I said you know God gives you a package retiring package listen there's no retirement in the Bible I I just fail to understand why we would believe such a thing called retirement because when you're a child in the house of God till the day you breathe your last it is his responsibility to take care of you It is his responsibility to get you married it is his responsibility to provide for your next meal it is his responsibility to take care of your kids it is his responsibility to take care of your teenagers it is his responsibility he loves you more than you love yourself and he will take care of you oh pastor but I didn't know that that was the word of the devil let me tell you something Jesus is very clear The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Any word in that category, any word in that category, stealing, killing, destroying, is not from God. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. So abundance is my portion. Why should I listen to a doctor's report? Why should I even believe the doctor's report? Why should I even believe the the report that comes on Financial Times about the economy? Why should I even believe it? Why should I believe when people say, no, businesses are not doing well. No, no. Let me tell you something. I see businesses prospering. I see businesses growing. I see people growing, having multiple businesses and doing really well. It's just that you have not allowed the wisdom of God. You've not allowed the counsel of God to lead you in your business. And today you might be going through repercussions in your business or facing the consequences of bad decisions that you've made in your business before. Expecting a miracle from God today when God is trying to teach you a lesson. That no matter what you do, that business is his. Come on. That job was his before he gave it to you. He, man, can you imagine? Think about this. My company is over 40 years old. I am not yet 40. (laughs) Amen. Nothing wrong with 40, but I am not yet 40. But I want to tell you something. The day I was born... The Lord put an idea in a person's heart. He put that idea in that person's heart. And for 40 years they ran that company. Waiting for me to join it. You need to understand that God has not just. He did not just like, okay, okay, go there. Well, I think that will work for you. Uh, maybe okay over here no okay I'll give you a kid one maybe boy maybe a uh, girl or maybe twins okay take both no it, it doesn't work like that it doesn't work like that he loves you and he before the foundation of the world he's already pre-planned your life everything works for the good of those who love the Lord everything So you might say, but pastor, why am I going through a difficult season right now? Why are things not working? Eight years, ten years, things are not working out. Let me tell you something. You forgot to listen to God's voice. Eight to ten years ago. And today, you want a miracle because you, "Mm, I'm in a tough situation. Let me tell you something. The only way that you can have a miracle is by getting in line with the word of God. Because it's only the word that will start working out your miracle in your life. And Elijah is in this place now. He's seeing, being a prophet, he is seeing what this woman is saying to him. You know when when people lose hope, they've allowed fear to get into their heart. And when they allow fear to get into their heart, they have no faith to believe God's word. Come into church and you sit down and you act like the pastor has to serve you you have, you have to tell me something that i can understand where in the bible did jesus actually do that he actually told people nothing like as in they never understood anything that he said and he just told them and he just walked away But today we have a seeker-sensitive church only because, not at this church but seeker-sensitive church in the world only because, tell me something I can understand it's because you have no hope when you listen to the word. When you have hope, when you're listening to God's word, it says I know I have a better future. See, hope is is a expectation of good. The word hope means expectation. I have an expectation that something good is going to happen in my life. I'm not sitting in this room waiting for a miracle because I know something good is going to work out from this message. I'm listening to this word because I know God has got something good in plan for me. I don't have, I may not have money in the bank right now, but I know that something good is going to show up in my account. when you've lost hope you've lost the opportunity to be prepared for the next battle see the most most times when people have a breakthrough moment in their life there's something awesome the healing happens or or the financial breakthrough or, or someone blesses you with money or whatever it is that happens in your life people tend to become blind by the blessing rather than think that God is preparing you for the next battle He's prepared. Elijah had to, you need to understand that Elijah is, he, the hand of the Lord came upon him and he ran faster than the chariot of the king. He reached the city before the king. What does that, it should have told him that something big is going to happen because the hand of the Lord because the hand of the Lord is upon me miracle signs and wonders are happening all over me pastor I think I must be doing something good no 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 God is preparing you for your next battle Desiree lays hands on the sick and they they begin to get healed and and her life group starts collecting money and sending money we're celebrating a testimony yeah 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 God is setting you up for the next battle god is setting you up because you did well with this now god is opening the door for a bigger giant for a bigger victory for a bigger provision for more salary coming to your bank account because he's trusted you with the money that you gave now he's going to give you more so that he can trust you with more when you lay hands on the sick and a headache gets healed headache is the same as cancer There's no difference in the realm of the spirit. Headache, cancer, AIDS, it's all the same thing to God. But the fact that you you went out and you laid hands upon the sick, it doesn't matter whether they get healed or not. That's God's responsibility. But he wants to know, can I trust you with the next battle? And Elijah, that was his weakness. He allowed the victory to blind him. He allowed the testimony to become so big in his eyes that he forgot the big God that really bought the breakthrough. Which leads me to my next point. The second point is that he prayed to God based on the word Jezebel gave him. (laughs) We do this all the time all the time i used to do this till god showed me this in the word and i was like god i repent i'm such a nutcase I, I i don't know i was acting like a fool in front of you see whenever we hear a doctor's report we run to god we run to god based on the report of a devil we go to God based on the report of the economy or what my boss is saying or, or what, what what what's happening in my body. I'm feeling pain. Oh God, 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 please heal me. God, please heal me. No, 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 no. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. Amen. Amen. People say persecution brings the church together. No, it doesn't. Jesus brings the church together. When you're going through, oh pastor, I'm feeling persecuted by everything around me. And and I went to God and I prayed and God brought me deliverance. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. You are obeying the voice of the enemy and running to God. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Oh, but but, 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 pastor, I have to respond to the word. Yeah, respond to his word over your life. Go to God talking to him about his word over your life let me give you an example if if the doctor gives you a report saying that you have certain disease in your body if you're going to God and saying God please heal me you're already responding to the doctor's report the word of the enemy in your life you're going to God saying God heal me because the enemy said so you should go to God and say God I heard the report but I trust your report your report says that I have life and life it's abundance you've already healed me 2,000 years ago but something this guy's saying something you're saying something else I choose to trust your word God I choose to trust you I put my hope in you I put my trust in you I don't care what the world says I don't care what the doctor says I put my hope in you He prayed the word based on what Jezebel told him and then his word and he prayed that he might die and he said that it is enough Lord take my life for I'm no better than my father's he was no better than his father's before God took him anyways (laughs) before God chose him he was no good anyways we think that when we become Christians that something Like, you know, we have become like greater than what we were. Listen, it is true. Okay, what Christ has done for us. But you can't think yourself greater than God is. The blessing does not come because you are in the right place. No, no, no. Because you said the right things. Because you prayed the right prayers. No, the blessing comes because of his love for you. His blessing comes because he chose you to be right with him. You didn't choose righteousness. A lot of times I've heard Christians say, Oh, you know, pastor, I gave my life to Jesus. No, no, no. You didn't give your life. It wasn't your life in the first place. You had no life before Jesus gave you life. You offered nothing and he gave you something. You had nothing before Jesus met you. And today you have everything. You have life and life in its abundance. You have everything. He prayed to God based on the word she gave him. You know, many times people pray for transformation in the world. (laughs) People, <laughs> I met a guy once that, that said uh, there's so much of bad happening in the world, you know. Uh, everything is going to waste and, you know, what about the animals and the trees? And uh, my first question to him was, do you eat chicken? <laughs> really, I mean, you're, you're worried about all the chickens in the cages, but do you eat chicken? Uh, he mm, he didn't know (laughs) he didn't know whether he had to answer me or not he said "Yeah, yeah sometimes but you ate right so you added to the misery of the chickens i said transformation does not come by feeling sorry for the world transformation does not come because you have a bad report from the world transformation comes when you understand where power comes from. God is not powerful, he is power. And when you take his word and allow your mind to be transformed by his word, now you become powerful. And when you become powerful, now you can go out into the world and have dominion and authority and subdue everything that is trying to show power over your power. That's how you bring transformation. You cannot change the world by saving chickens. You can't change the world by shouting at people uh, 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 to stop cutting trees. Listen, your responsibility is to make the earth fruitful and multiply. If they're cutting trees, you plant. (laughs) Why are you shouting at those people, man? Your children are reading the same books from where they're cutting the trees. You're using the same toilet paper from where they're cutting the trees. Why are you shooting yourself in the foot? Plant trees. Do you understand? You see the hip hop, the deception in, in the way people approach things. We can't change the world by in the physical. You've got to change the world by renewing their mind. If you allow God's word to renew your mind, you make better choices in the world. I'll just submit that to you so you know I, I, hear, I hear a lot of people um, especially big names of people who respond to fake news and they call fake news fake news like as if they know the real news <laughs> and, and, and many times you know they, they see the calamities in the world and they see that there's no water in Africa actually there's water in Africa okay Please. have you heard of the Victoria Falls I just while I was walking in somebody told me they went you went to Victoria Falls it's a falls like as in water falls from there you know there's water in Africa please don't think that there's no water in Africa okay and people have learned to adapt to that kind of lifestyle like Indians eat eat, you know Indian food like that Africans eat the food there it's just the way people adapt you can't take an Indian and put him in Africa and hope that he survives he won't Either he'll be eaten by the lions or the mosquitoes will eat them, one of the two. But at the same time, you take an African who has really been through the, 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 uh, to learn how to survive, and you take him in America and put him there, he will thrive. He'll thrive, yeah. But I'm just trying to say this that people will look at the news and they will start praying to God. Thank God, make a difference in the world. I'm here. Make, use me. Make a difference in the world. It's the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We look at terrorism and we go to God saying, God, do something about it. When it's the wrong way to do it, it's the wrong way to pray. Yeah. Yeah. What do you have to say? I choose to believe. What do you have to say? If there's terrorism, I, th- I said something uh, in 2015, 16. I said, the terrorism in, in Afghanistan and Iraq is going to end this year and at the end of that year it was finished that organization was done who, who is little me I'm standing here in this nation in this city and I'm saying something about another nation another country and God says I got a son who can speak on my behalf I choose his word and now I'm gonna he because he's speaking the same language you want angels to work on your behalf they don't respond to what the enemy says they respond to what God says the third point is what he saw what Elijah saw changed his perspective of life when Jezebel spoke to him he saw what she said and it completely changed his perspective of his future You know, the angel of the Lord came to Elijah. Are you okay? Yeah. okay. Angel of the Lord, he's, he's, he takes a servant and leaves him in another city and he, he's run now from a day's journey. Keep in, the, keep in mind, he runs a day's journey away from that, that city and he's, he's sleeping under a broom bush, right? And the angel of the Lord comes to him and wakes him up and says, Eat. And he eats the food and goes back to sleep. First mistake. The first thing was his eyes were so blind that he saw the food and not the angel. He did not know that that provision God had already sent. The angel came and said, hey, wake up, eat the food. And his eyes fell on the food and he eats this bread that is fresh and hot and he goes back to sleep. When his purpose was to go and take out Jezebel. Oh, come on. He's a day's journey away from the city. God gives him bread that lasted him for 40 days, 40 nights. No, no, no. I don't know if you're getting it. Are you getting it? His perspective of his future was completely lost. The angel wakes him up again and says, "Eat, because your journey ahead is too great." He wasn't talking about him running away from his battle for 40 days, 40 nights. He was talking about, "Hey, I'm going to give you supernatural food so that you can go back one day and take out Jezebel and her army yeah. No, no, no no you're not getting do you understand what i'm saying see sometimes the supernatural works in our life but because our perspective is so worldly our perspective is so according to what the devil says according to the doctor's report that even when the supernatural does happen in our life it causes us to run away from god run away from our purpose run away from what god's plan is for our lives and do what we want to do Come on, I think I'm preaching to somebody today. You guys okay? Right? Elijah is meant to go back one day. But instead, he runs away for 40 days and 40 nights. He uses this supernatural ability, this food. It was carbs, by the way. So don't don't listen to anybody when they say carbs don't work. Carbs are from heaven. It was bread. It was bread on hot coals, honey. (laughs) Huh? So the next time you're going past Krispy Kreme donuts, and you're going past Dunkin' Donuts, and you're looking at those donuts, ask the Lord Lord, was this made on the coals of heaven? because somebody got this good idea It's just so good it's a good thing that's in that window right there and it's hot and it's just come fresh off heaven it feels like the bread of heaven and it's like when you have you ever eaten crispy creams when it's hot it's like it just you can just push the whole whole donut in your mouth and it just like melts down who's eating donuts who has eaten donuts There we go, look at that. It's this section right here, the food section. (laughs) Caught you. Are you guys okay? Have you all eaten? (laughs) Elijah is eating carbs and those carbs are lasting him for 40 days, 40 nights. But the bread was meant for him to fight the battle. But rather than fighting the battle, he had lost his perspective, he continued to run away from God. And even he used the supernatural (laughs) to run away from God. (laughs) He gets into the cave and he's like, God, woe is me. (laughs) That's his prayer to God. He's just come off from having the greatest moment of his life. He's standing before God and he's saying, God, I'm done. I have no, he is a man without hope. Here is a man who has lost hope in a God who just did. He called on fire from heaven. Man, it was not something that was like, oh, in the spirit. It was physical. is a man who stopped rain and called down rain. Here's a man who ran faster than a chariot. Here's a man who took his, his, his jacket and hit the water and the, and, the, and the sea and the river parted. You're talking about a powerful man. But a powerful man without hope has no future. You can come into church and have the most powerful experience. Here, heal the sick, cast out demons. Walk out of these doors, and a couple of days later, and have no hope to live. When people talk about Dubai, they talk about it without hope. Christians talk about the city that lives that you're living in, the city that you're that is feeding you every single day. The city that is providing jobs for you, the city that is providing safety, the city that is providing good roads, schools for your kids, hospitals for your family members, the city that is doing so much for you, that that's only charging you 5% tax is, is, is the same city that you have no hope for. How can you have no hope and expect to live in a city and be blessed? You've got to come into a place where you have so much of hope for the city that you know that no matter what is happening, it will turn around because I am in this city. God has blessed this city with creativity. God has blessed this city with safety. God has blessed this city and this nation with good creative leaders who are seeing the future. Are you seeing the future the way they see the future? Because if you don't see the future the way they see, forget about all the flaws, forget about all of it. but can you see it the way God sees it? Because if you do, then your future is greater than your past. People who have no hope for their future have no hope to live. A future without purpose is a hopeless future. When you lose hope for your future, you've actually lost sight of God's purpose for your life. That's why you don't even see yourself living here another year. That's why you don't even see yourself getting healed. That's why you don't even see yourself getting out of this situation that you're in. It's because you've lost hope. You think that 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 hope rests in the words of people, in the in the in their wallets and what they give you, but hope doesn't rest over there. Hope is a person. Hope is in God's word. It's what does God say to you? What does God say to you? It's important for us to understand that the word that God speaks carries life. And that life will completely change your life. It will change everything around you. It is only in God's word. Your solution to your problem is in God's word. And sometimes you wonder, I'm doing everything right, pastor. Why am I going through this? I'm doing everything right. Not realizing that God is testing your heart to show you that there's something in your heart that is hindering you from going to the next level. What is in your heart in a season of testing will tell you whether you're ready for the next season or not. Yeah, right. yeah. <clears throat> Proverbs, the book of Proverbs has a, has a really awesome proverb. It says the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold but God tests the man's heart in other words in simple language it says fire is good for gold and silver but God tests the man's heart which means the tests that come our way is like the fire that burns us it feels like it's fire everything it feels like I'm being hemmed around but God there's no other way exactly there is a way you've believed a lie that there was no other way come 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 on I wish you got that while you're thinking there's no other way that thought in itself was hindering you Uh, that thought itself was stopping you from really walking in what God has called you to walk in man if God were to announce John I am testing you I I would not sleep I'd be ready for the test at any point I'm ready whatever it is I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But when God tests you, you're never ready. And he knows when you're not ready. That's exactly the time that he comes. (laughs) You know, I think that Elijah missed probably the most important moment of his life. When the angel came to him, he missed the most important moment of his life. Can you imagine if he did not pray the prayer, God I'm done. If he said, Lord I'm not done yet. It's tough, the situation is tough but I'm not done yet. Don't take my life, I want to live. Listen, he's a prophet, right? Which means God does what he says. That's why, yeah, anyway. (laughs) You need to understand that in that moment, Elijah is standing before God and he's made a choice not to live anymore. When people have lost hope, they have no choice to live for a better future. If you choose not to live God will not dishonor your request If you choose to not live God will not dishonor your request He will honor it Because it's your choice But he says choose life Choose life Choose to live Not die What if in that moment Elijah made a choice to live What would his future look like What will your future look like If you don't give up if you, if you have hope, you hold on to hope and not give up. You hold on to God's word and not give up. What would your life look like? God, I'm done with this job. I can't, I can't work here anymore. These people are just driving me up the wall. What, what if, that's somebody over here I know. <laughs> what if you were to say, God, I don't want to lose my job. I'm willing to go through this moment because this moment of testing is perfecting me. Oh. Go to James chapter 1. This is probably the best verse in the Bible for today. <laughs> Let's read it together. Verse two. Are you ready? Do you have your Bible? Are you ready? Verse two? Let's read together. One, two, three. My brethren. when you... stop. Let's read it again. My It's getting better. Let's read it again. One more time. My. Count it. count it all joy. when you fall which means you were walking and you did not know that there was a hole right there my brethren count it all joy which means consider it all joy every circumstance every situation Yeah, two people are getting it count it all joy when you fall into various trials which means God does not give you the same test over and over again various, he's got all the tricks in the book (laughs) knowing that the testing of your faith produces but let patience have its perfect work that you may be and complete lacking come on man I think we need to read that verse again. Verse 4. But let patience. When Christians say, no, 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 I'm not perfect. There's a problem. No, no, pastor, I may not be, I'm not a perfect person. You know, I make mistakes all the time. That's because patience is not perfecting you. Oof oh man I perfected the single life right and I got married now we're perfecting marriage life I can't say today that I'm having an imperfect marriage I have the last 10 years of my marriage has perfected me man i am way better today than i was before because my wife is perfecting me and i'm perfecting her she's perfect spotless without any blemish it's because i work hard (laughs) very hard and she works very hard that's why we both look awesome do you understand you I've seen people have so much of false humility no 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 I'm not not perfect you know especially when we do counseling and the husbands like you know they're trying to make an excuse for the mistake you know see listen I'm just a human being you know I'm not perfect I make mistakes all the time that's the problem that's the problem the problem is you're not in the word and you you're not patient enough you're moving fast The word patience means the Bible says that God is slow to anger. Which means He is slow, slow to anger. Which means God doesn't get angry fast. Do you? I'm getting smiles, but nobody's saying anything. <laughs> Huh? oh pastor you know I you know my son my son my son my son is very short tempered really is it now which means his patience has not perfected him which means your son you've taught your son you've encouraged your son to move fast if somebody says something say something back if somebody slaps you give them one slap huh if somebody hits you in school punch them back Huh? This is what we we teach our... No, no, no. But he has to learn self-defense. No, 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 no. You ask Jesus how he teaches self-defense. If somebody slaps you, give the other cheek. (laughs) When somebody says something bad to you, I have to say something to get back at them. No, 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 no. What you're doing is you're moving in wrath. You're moving too fast. And God is not moving fast. God is slow to anger. It's like somebody's, you're driving on the fast lane, somebody flashes you. You move slowly because God is slow to anger. Huh? <laughs> huh? And then as soon as a person overtakes you, you are quick to get back into the fast lane and go till that person moves and then you feel like, "Yeah, man, I'm the man." I'm the man, no you're not the man. Not the man. You're an imperfect man that's the problem I was like guys are like oh today's my day it's like ah, I'm getting it listen it's not only guys it's even women that do it okay if you want to try it, go to Abu Dhabi once in a while <laughs> they're reckless but I want to wanna, wanna tell you something God is slow to get angry with you and when you are slow to get angry with people the waiting perfects you. When you're not too quick to judge, when you're not too quick to lash out, you just bite your tongue and you keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you put your hands in your pocket and leave the phone aside. Don't send that text message, don't make that phone call. When your heart is like, I want to kill. I want to choke the guy. I want to throw something at him. I want to do something to him. I want to set him free from this misery of life. (laughs) It happens at home. And let me tell you another example. You know, I'm gonna count to three, and if you if you don't go to your room, you're gonna get it. Have you heard that? It happens now. It happens now. Yeah. We've all done it. Listen, you're teaching your children to have less tolerance, less patience. When your kids are driving you up the wall, you're in a test for patience. Wait, 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 wait. I've got three things to give you before you go home. Are you okay? Three things, okay? The first thing is the promise is in the waiting. The promise is in the waiting. Before you clap, just wait and listen to what I have to say, okay? Because it's not what you think it is. The promise is in the waiting. We think that Abraham's promise was his son. Isaac was not the promise. If you read through the Bible, God never told. Abraham that he was going to give him a son. He told him when he was prophesying over Sarah. He said, I will give you a son through Sarah. But you, I will make you a father of many nations. See, God made Abraham wait for 30 years before he had a son. But those 30 years, God was perfecting him for generations to come. See, the promise is not the sun. It's not the blessing. The promise is not the breakthrough at the end of the, of, 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 of your, of your uh, c- c- circumstance that you're going through. The promise is the perfection. It's the perfection. God is perfecting you as you wait upon him. As you wait upon him, the Bible says that you will rise up with wings like eagles. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not faint as you wait touch your neighbor and say wait touch some single people and say don't be in a hurry to get married just wait 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 (laughs) don't give yourself too quickly wait 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 sabar 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 habibi sabar When we don't lose hope, it's okay to wait. The reason why people don't want to wait is because they've lost hope. It's a good word, man. I'm telling you, I'm dropping it like it's hot today. This is a leadership lesson, by the way. Because I believe that God is raising up really powerful leaders in this house. patience perfects you into who he is so that when you're living in the fullness of his promise over your life you will be as he is so the second point is see the big picture okay see the big picture most people think that when there is lack in their lives they're being tested <laughs> Now I'm going to hit something that might hurt, okay? God is not a wicked God. He won't test you when you have nothing to give. I'll let it sink a little bit. God is not a wicked God that he will ask you for something that you can't give. The testing does not come in your lowest moments. The testing comes when you're at the highest. (laughs) When you get your salary at the end of the month, and your bonus comes, and you know, nobody knows that the bonus has come and you know what you need to do with your salary, huh? See the big picture. See the big picture. You know, I've I've had people um like no, I won't name, but it's okay. We have people in our church that have walked up to us and said I just got my salary I want to give it to the kingdom full salary give it into the kingdom in this church man in this church we're not waiting to be millionaires when we give we give when we have Kelsey and I have given away our whole salaries away lived on cup of noodles and that's absolutely fine but it's not it's not because I want to do the right thing I understand there's perfection in the process I understand that God is perfecting me as I choose to obey. As I choose to obey and I give, now I put God in a position where he has to provide. So we, we, think that, we think that we have to give only when, man, you know, I have nothing to give God. I hear the story of the two widow's mites and, you know, she had nothing but she gave two coins. How many of you know that that's all she had? And those two coins were all she had and that's what she gave but you have your full salary what do you give I just wanna I'm just putting across I'm not asking you to give your full salary I'm just trying to reveal your heart to you okay because it's it's in those moments when you hear God saying hey I want you to give this away if you don't see the big picture you will not obey if you don't see the big picture the big picture is that even in my lack even in my suffering even in this moment where I have nothing God is faithful to me God who supplied ravens and angels in the Bible to feed people He will feed me I will not lose hope in my obedience to God I will not lose hope when God says give it away give it away I will not lose hope in God we think that we are being tested when we have nothing No, we're being tested when we have everything. See the big picture. Hebrews 11 says that even though Abraham knew that it was his only son, when God asked him to give it up, the test came when he had the son the promise was perfection not the son people have preached it wrong Abraham was willing to give up his son because he loved his son but he loved God so much that he said God I trust you that even though I can sac- I will sacrifice my son I know that you will bring him back to life what about our salaries what about our children We dedicate them to the Lord and then control them for the rest of their life. (laughs) Huh? The Bible says, raise them up in the way they should go. We dedicate them to the Lord and then control them for the rest of their life. According to how we want them to go. Now we've got to understand, it's, it's it's the waiting. Slow anger slow to wrath—that that is perfecting us in this moment where I have nothing and I depend on God and I'm not rushing to ask people for money I'm asking God for money because I gave my salary away. It's not, it's not when you don't have a job that you, that you, that this is not the situation. I'm talking about when you do have a job and God says, give this money away or do this or give this away. Do something with it uh, and give it into the kingdom. And you're like, oh, you know, God, uh, what about the kids fees? And what about this? No, no, my Lord shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I, I know the verse, but I can't seem to apply it in my life. The reason why you can't apply it in my, in your life is because you have no hope. You have no hope that the God who gave you the job, the God who gave you the salary, the God who allowed you to keep 90% is the one who can actually be providing you in such a supernatural way that in that waiting moment where you have angels come and feed you, where you have ravens come and feed you, where you have people who hear God come to your doorstep, knock on your door, and say, Hey, the Lord spoke to me, and He said, Give to He said, Give you this sugar, give you this rice, give you this alabaster box. It is in those moments that you realize that the same God who saved me is the same God who's saving me right now, who's setting me free right now this is the same God I know him the third point is don't lose hope I want you to go to Romans chapter 5 Romans chapter 5 And we'll read from verse 1 to 5. Are you there? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace In which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. That word glory means to rejoice. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that the suffering produces perseverance, which is patience, long suffering. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. Let's read verse 5 together. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It's amazing that it says hope does not put us to shame. I want to I want to read this to you in the message version if you can if you can pay attention for a few seconds this is verse 1 by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us set us right with him make us fit for him we have it all together with God because of our master Jesus and that's not all we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand out in the wide open spaces of God's grace Wow and glory standing tall and shouting our praise verse 3 there is more to come we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop a passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. It's amazing what he says here. That hope never puts us to shame. You know, that Kelsey and I have not financially we were not in a great place in the beginning of our marriage, you know. And we were in debt and we were really struggling. We were living in a, in a big house, we couldn't afford. We were paying 3,000 dirhams for water and electricity. And it was really, we were living outside of our means. And you know, we were... The situation in our lives was getting really worse there came a point in time where we had absolutely nothing not a single dirham to us and it was mid-month <clears throat> there was no food in the fridge there was no food in the closets in the cupboards all we had was dog food to feed the dogs at least they ate And. You know, there are days when, when you see times like this that it just breaks your heart, you know. And uh, it would break my heart to see my wife want to have a shower and there's no water. There's no electricity in the house and we're sitting with one candle reading the Bible and praying together. When I say we've experienced lack, I know what I'm talking about. But you know in those days when we had absolutely nothing, we never went to anybody and asked them for money. We never went to people and told them our story, we never said anything to anybody, never, never, never. I know a couple couple in this church has done the same thing. We never went and cried and we said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to our life. I don't know what's, where we're going to go. What's gonna, We just said, God, we made mistakes. And I understand that these are consequences of those mistakes. But we're willing to wait on you. we would go to church lead worship and pray and have awesome miracles happening and listen to the testimonies of provision in people's lives and go back home to a dark home dark home no food we've seen those days we never asked anyone for anything but in those days we never depended on man let me tell you something it is, it is those days when we never had any money that I said, God, forgive me for a lack of wisdom. Forgive me for for not listening to you. Forgive me for placing my greed above the need in your kingdom. Forgive me, God. Forgive me for, for wanting green grass, 4,000 square feet grass, when when I know that there are people around me who don't have food to eat and I, and I never heard I allowed my, the perspective of my life, my lens to be completely blinded by the blessing I never saw the need in your kingdom I said God forgive me for that and I said God you know with, with this place, this house, this villa is beautiful and everything is so awesome but Lord we are unhappy I said God we're choosing to downsize because we it's not that we choose to live poor I said we choose to really live according to the our means and so we moved from that place we moved from that place I, I kid you not the down payment was enough for the first month's rent of the next house, for the house and we we took that down the 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 security deposit and the diva uh, uh, and we we paid our first month's rent and then we said God we will depend on you for the next month and little by little see we've not experienced I want to tell you this not so that this happens to you I'm saying this that I chose to pay my debt off because I told God God I made the mistake I need to learn from my mistakes. I know that I will come back into this place if I experience a breakthrough and and I become lazy in my Christian walk. I said, God, provide for me so that I can pay my debt off. And God provided. Little by little, dirham by dirham, 100 dirhams, 50 dirhams would go towards it every month and every month it would reduce and reduce and reduce and reduce. There came a point in time where We had so much that we could give away, give away, yeah. We've given hundreds of thousands of dreams away, not because people come to us and give us emotional stories and cause us to respond, because the Lord leads us. You know when I did not when a car would break down and and the radiator fluid would start leaking from uh, in Dubai God would speak to somebody and say here give him a car they would come to me during worship and they would say hey the Lord spoke to me and he said give me to give you your car and i would get not just a no- normal car I'd get a BMW or an Audi like I mean cars like that God would bless us with cars free Not because we went and told somebody a sad story. But we, we, we said God you, you know our need. We want to do right by you. We want to make sure that when you are testing me. Testing us that we want to we wanna, we wanna have the words that come out of our mouth. Is righteous words. It's good words. It's not evil. It's not bitter. It's not begging. It's not desperate. But it's good words that come out of our mouth. But it took us a period of waiting. God said okay you want to do this are you willing to wait I said yes but in that waiting God perfected us our marriage became so strong in those days it is still strong today but in those days those were the days it was a catalyst for us to experience just the blessedness of marriage man you know I would look at my dogs you know no electricity no AC nothing open the windows and my dogs didn't care about which house we were in my dogs didn't care whether there was grass or a carpet in the house they didn't care they just wanted to be with us they went from a villa with 4,000 square feet garden into a one-bedroom apartment where all they ever have the entertainment they have is looking at us you know what my dogs I learned from my dogs to be satisfied with what God has given me I learned that when my my dog is getting on my nerves not to kill him but be patient with him because then you can imagine a golden retriever is bouncing off the walls in a one-bedroom apartment and it's like ah, he wants to go out and play and I'm like dude sit down and the Lord would say be slow to anger everything count everything as joy every circumstance every situation in your life counted as joy I'll have the worship team up I'm going to read that thing again you can stand up we're going to sing a song and we're going to give a shout of praise to God verse 3 says there's more to come we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop a passionate patience in us And how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. I want to ask you, what is God going to do next in your life? What is he going to do next? You might be thinking that, that your life is a mess right now. But a mess will become a message. And a test will become a testimony. But what is God going to do when you have that breakthrough? What is God going to do next when you have that testimony? What is he going to do next? In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit it's amazing that when Paul is writing things like this he's experienced chains he's experienced the beatings he's experienced the sufferings, and he said all of these things are nothing compared to the glory that God has for us I want to read one verse for you from from James chapter 1 again The Lord just reminded me about it. And it says in verse 12, and this is a prophetic word for you. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, say approved. approved. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I want to read it again because it's so good and you're not listening to me you've gone into ending the service mode it says blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved which means whatever you're going through today God is looking to approve you but you've got to endure it you've got to wait through it you've got to. there's some suffering that you got to go through and you got to count it as joy, man. you got to consider it as a blessing. Every suffering, every moment of lack is joy. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. God wants to give you a crown of life he's not interested in giving you just a breakthrough he wants to give you life and life in its abundance but the crown of life comes when you learn to be patient and allow patience to perfect you don't be too quick to slap your neighbor. Don't be too quick to, to shout at them, to abuse them. Don't be too quick to lash at people. Don't be too quick to say things about your boss because God is going, has set your boss up to bless you. You're literally shooting yourself in the foot by saying things out of time. Say patience is a fruit of the Spirit I don't produce patience the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit in you is waiting for you to be perfected so that he can produce patience and patience will perfect you so that you can have hope for a better future.